0: everybody say cheese
1: hello (laughs) good evening family and friends on this cold snowy day here right outside of detroit michigan it is such an honor and a privilege to come before you all for another edition of sharp talk and we are excited as we always are because we have a very esteemed guest with us this evening former Detroit Lion, father of three, and longtime Sharp family friend, Mr. Jeff Chadwick. So, Jeff, thank you so much for joining us this evening.
2: Well, thank you for having me. I appreciate that.
1: Absolutely.
0: Jeff, I got to tell our our viewing audience, and you and I had this conversation. Again, thank you so much. Welcome to Sharp Talk, uh, all my friends and and family. And, And, Jeff, welcome to the show. Thank you again. And I was telling you that when we played around the same time, and I used to cheer for you, and I used to appreciate your talents because I've always been a Lions fan.
1: Okay. Grew up
0: watching Lions, et cetera, et cetera. But I remember when we played, Continue. you were like a, a pain in the you-know-what because That's you true. seemed to be a clutch receiver. You seemed to be a clutch receiver, and you always seemed to get behind the defense. And 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 so, you know, so I, I had mixed emotions about you as a player. And, uh, and you are a Lions legend. And, again, thank you so much, and welcome to Sharp Talk.
2: Well, I appreciate it, Louise. Um, yeah, you know, I, the I the enjoy playing. I'm sorry. Go ahead, Rebecca. I was
1: just saying, quite the introduction times too, right? <laughs> Great way to begin the show, talking about all the wonderful things about your career and the person that you are. So excited to be able to unpack it a bit more during the episode.
2: Yeah. You know, uh, playing in the NFL, obviously, is is uh, for a lot of kids who play athletics, is a can be a dream come true you know and it certainly was in my case um you know i uh grew up in dearborn heights went to school uh at a private catholic school along with my my brothers and um you know i just always seemed to find myself uh watching sports as a little kid you know my dad had the detroit lions season tickets and and uh you know just from just a young age just whatever sport was being played, either uh, collegiately or professionally uh, that time of year, whether it's basketball, baseball, football, we were out playing it out in the streets. So it was so, basically after so school, go knock on doors and go get the kids in the neighborhood. Who wants to play? You know, you play know football
0: my, dream. My, my dream, Jeff, was to be drafted uh, by the Detroit Lions And, you know, when I went 1982 draft, you remember Jimmy Williams, outside linebacker out of Nebraska? 59. Yeah, you probably played with him. Detroit picked Jimmy Williams. They made him their 15th pick in the first round. Okay, they had a chance to draft me, but they picked Jimmy Williams instead. And I went the very next pick to the St. Louis Cardinals, and I was so down, downtrodden because I very so wanted to play with the Lions, my boyhood team. Tell us what were you, what your experience was like growing up in Dearborn Heights and as an undrafted free agent, uh, making the Lions and playing for seven years with your hometown team.
2: Yeah, well, uh, what I was going to say is uh, the, the first team that I ever played as far as organized uh, sports was the Dearborn Lions, of oh, well, all things. We had uni- uniforms identical oh, to wow. the Detroit Lions. So, yeah, uh, it was exciting. And um, I remember just hearing the buzz in the neighborhood that, hey, there were signups for football, and a friend of mine mentioned it to me. And my parents, uh, either my mom was busy with my younger brothers and couldn't do it. My dad was at work, but they had signups and it was at uh, a park probably about a mile and a half away. So I got on my bike, and I went and signed myself up. Wow. And I was probably, uh, I believe, in fourth grade. Oh, my goodness. Um, yeah. Uh, kind of unheard of now, you know, just taking off and, and going and signing up for, for you know, athletics. But, uh, yeah. So um, so I played, you know, Pop Warner football and, of course, got involved, uh, you know, with the other sports, basketball and baseball. And, you know, eventually, once you start playing it, you, you kind of figure out which, uh, which sports you like the best. Um, I kind of dropped baseball early on, uh, even though I enjoyed it, I kind of got stuck out in the outf- outfield and and when I'd go to practice, no, they wouldn't hit me the ball. So I just stood around out in the outfield. So I kind of got bored <laughs> with baseball and instead of playing baseball, I started running track and, um, you know, just started learning about, uh, you know, sprinting and coming out of the box and then all the field events that they have to offer, um. And so I started participating in track and field and, uh, you know, started having some success doing the long jump, the high jump, running the different relays and, and just really enjoyed the the running aspect of it in the competition. Uh, and it's still a team sport, even though it's somewhat individual, um, especially with the relays. Um, so I really enjoyed that. And I kind of stuck with the football. I wasn't a great football player. I, I was good. I was a contributor. I wouldn't, uh, consider myself great, um, you know, but I, but I enjoyed it. I had a lot of fun doing it. It just, uh, just, just working out, you know, trying to make plays was exciting. Um, so when I got to high school, I actually, there's a year I didn't play football. My dad told me I was too small. He says, you're not going to go. You're a sophomore. You're too small. Everybody's way too big. You're going to go against guys that are way You're going to get hurt. And so I'm like, Dad, what do I do? He says, I don't know, I'll do something else. So I ran cross country, of all things. Oh my! Oh my! So and and then I realized, well, that's brutal, you know, yes. having to yes. run distance every day. And yes, uh, yes, yeah. So uh, you know, I started getting better at it, but I did it for a year, and then I was like, okay, enough of that. I'm not doing that anymore. Uh, so I I uh, asked the coach if I could, you know, come out for the team. And he says, well, I don't know about that. And I said, well, "What?" he says, yeah, you need to hit the weight room. I'd never lifted weights before. And he said, so uh, he tested me. The head coach tested me uh, in the weight room, and I, I didn't do very well. So he said, listen, go hit the weights. Come back uh, in a couple of months. We'll test you again, and then I'll make a decision. So I did. I, I hit the weights, and I improved, you know. My bench probably improved 20 pounds. uh, So he allowed me to try out. Um, I never played. My junior year, I never saw the field. I was at practice, though, every day, and I competed, uh, but I never saw the playing field. Um, I thought I was good enough to be out there on the, you know, participating, but uh, uh, the coach didn't feel so. So uh, my senior year, he left and went to Eastern Michigan to be an assistant coach, and we got a new coach in. Well, Mike Hogan, he was a, a Michigan State grad, uh, an offensive lineman, played at Michigan State. He came in and was our dean of discipline uh, for the school, and he was the head football coach. And he saw my talent, so he put me on everything. I was starting wide receiver, starting safety. Um, I was back on punt returning, kickoff return. And I had some success. You know, I did pretty good uh, my senior year. I was making plays, and I was having a ball. And then I got an opportunity um, after my, you know, of course I continued to run track and those were the two sports I played. I played football and ran track. Uh, I kind of left basketball behind and of course, you know, stopped playing baseball uh, and just stuck with those two, uh, two sports. And then uh, I um, had an opportunity to go to Grand Valley and uh, have a portion of my, my uh, education paid for. They didn't offer full rides at a small school, so um, what I did is I, I went to Grand Valley and I ran track, uh, spring and summer track, and also played football, and I did that for four years, and um, I think it was my sophomore year, I was able to see, get on the field a little bit um, and got some experience, you know, playing in games and, uh, you know, just running track and maturing as a young athlete, hitting the weight room and... And doing the workouts, uh, you know, just every year, you, you the coaches expect you to get better, you know, just with all the training and everything. And um, so my junior year at Grand Valley, um, I was a starter, started making plays. And um, uh, there was a guy named Rob Rubick, who was my roommate at the time. He was a year older than me, and he was a tight end. And he, uh, of course, had a real good year and actually got drafted out of Grand Valley. And I believe it was last round to the Detroit Lions. And I was so excited because that's my roommate, my homie, and he's yeah. playing pro ball. He actually yeah. made the team and was playing. So that was really exciting for me. And then that same year that he was a rookie in 1982, the same year you came out, Louise, um, I started getting some letters from some, some you know, professional teams have, showing an interest. And I couldn't believe that. That just blew me away. And all my friends, I'm like showing my friends these letters, and they're like, "No way, no way," and I'm like, "Yeah." So that was uh, that was exciting, just knowing that the pros actually thought I had a an opportunity or the the, the talent to even try out. So interesting, interesting, and and of course,
0: uh, you had a, a lot of success. You you played uh, with uh, some all time greats, uh, Barry Sanders, Lomas Brown. Um, I remember Robert Porche, he was tough, Uh, very good defensive end. Tell us what it was like playing with the likes of of Barry Sanders.
2: Well, uh, to be honest with you, uh, Barry came out in 89. Uh, My last full year with the Lions was 88. Now, I was in training camp. I was in training camp in 89, and I had a real good training camp, but that that was the year they brought in that run and shoot. So, Miles Davis – Yep, they brought in that run and shoot, and they weren't really keen on tall receivers. They liked, uh, you know, the guys that were 5'8", five, 5'10", five, yeah, uh, max, yeah. and, and I was, you know, 6'3", so um, I had, uh, even though I had a real good training camp, um, just the week before the opening of game, which just happened to be against the Cardinals... Mm-hmm. Uh, In Detroit at the Silverdome, I broke my thumb catching balls out of a jugs machine. And um, I couldn't catch the ball. So, you know, I had a broken thumb. It's kind of tough to catch uh, footballs uh, without your hands. And uh, I ended up starting that game injured, trying to run routes and catch the ball. And I I dropped some balls that I should have had. And the following day, Monday, after that game, the lines cut me. So I got, after six years, six full years got released. So I really didn't get the opportunity, you know, to play with Barry other than in training camp. Um, but he knew me and I knew him. We played against each other a number of times uh, when I was with Seattle. And, um, you know, of course he's Barry and he's so humble. And he's so such a wonderful man. And, you know, the thing about it is he, he always remembered me. You know I mean? He, he'd be like, Hey Jeff how you doing? And I'm like, Barry remembers me. <laughs> I, was only in, I was only in training camp with him, you know, but that, that was just Barry, you know, Barry was, he was very quiet, but, but he was very in tune to his teammates, even though yeah. he may not say that he always wanted to know how you were doing as, as an individual. Right. That, wow. It, Interesting. Yeah. It, Rebecca.
1: So something that I think is so neat, um, I actually work for Ford Motor Company right now here, uh, right outside of Dearborn. And as we know, the Ford family obviously owns the Lions franchise. And so we wanted to know what was it like, or if you could tell us anything about Miss Martha Ford, how involved or engaged was she with you all as players? And the coaches and shout out to the Ford family. Thank you for employment <laughs> and for all the wonderful uh, memories that they provided through the Lions franchise.
2: Yeah, well, when I was there, it was William Clay Ford, who oh, okay. uh, was the you know owner uh, who we saw most often. And he would come okay. around training camp. Uh, he would show up and we'd all kind of huddle around him. You know, he's William yeah. Clay, you know, the owner. Um, so he'd show up in training camp and that was always great. Great to see him, you know, um, uh, just a super nice guy, super nice. And then occasionally he would show up in the locker room uh, after a game. Uh, But other than that, we didn't see a whole lot of them. And I think that's a good thing. A lot of times, you know, unless you have a – it takes a real special kind of owner uh, with a certain amount of knowledge. Um, I think of Mark Cuban with the Dallas uh, Mavericks, right? Uh, he's a guy who's just one of the very entertaining type of guy. He can get away with being an owner and being really involved with the players. And I think that's, um, owners almost have to kind of step away and l- allow the coaches and and uh, those that are closest, you know, to the players to, to do their thing so that they can feel comfortable and the players can feel comfortable. And I think the Lions do a, a, a great job of balancing that. And, you know, the, the thing, is you mentioned, um, even though Martha Ford was uh, uh, not doing much with the Lions as far as when I was there, um, you know, over the last few years, when she got involved with the Lions, um, what she did is she felt it was really important that the alumni, you know, guys like myself, um, like Louise and guys that played in, you know, around the times we did, um, that we get brought back. Okay, and so they started bringing us around uh, for homecoming and they would put us up at a hotel and and bring guys in from, you know, other states. And it was so it was so great uh, for guys like myself just to see these guys. You know, you kind of lose touch with uh, after football. You know, everybody goes on to, to a normal life. You know, football isn't always quite normal, especially at the pro level. Uh, but once you retire, it then becomes normal and you kind of move on with your family and your career. Um, uh, so you really don't get the opportunities, but she, Martha, felt it was important and brought us together. And to this day, um, I ran into her and, and spoke with Martha and I told her just how much I appreciated what she did by bringing us all together. And, and we still, even with this COVID thing, we have these like Skype things, like what we're doing, where we still keep in touch. The players do. And we just, you know, it's like being in the locker room all over again.
1: <laughs> I love how she was so committed to fostering that brotherhood, you know, and really yeah. transforming the times with bringing you all back. That is very special, very special.
0: You know, I, I wanted to. I wanted to ask. Uh, there's a lot of talk uh, going around town. Lions, they, they, new administration, new general manager, new head coach. Uh, there's talk of Matthew Stafford being traded. Uh, just a, a, an overall shakeup in the organization. Your thoughts? Are they on the right track? And how is that going to translate the changes that they're making? How is that going to translate? Will it translate to improve uh, product on the field?
2: Well. Uh- Yes, yes I I do think so and I'll tell you why. First of all, I think um not only did, did Martha Ford like bring us players together, um you know, all of a sudden we started seeing guys like, you know, Barry Sanders, Billy Sims. Um you know, we started seeing these guys start coming around, uh Chris Spielman, all right? And when I heard that they were bringing that the Lions uh that Sheila brought him in to be a special assistant to the the CEO and president, uh, Rod Wood, that um, that was like the best move that they could possibly make, okay? Just bringing him in because, you know, Chris played so many years and, and was such a big part of the Lions. Um, you know, he came in, I think it was a couple of years after uh, I did, and he had a long career with the Lions even after I was gone, but, you know, he was kind of like the 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 main guy on defense. Okay. And he was so down to earth and such a, uh, such a level headed guy. And he was so exciting. Okay. And so when I heard that they were bringing him in with his, you know, with his knowledge of the game and just sportsmanship and bringing a team together, I was just like, there couldn't be a better guy. Okay. Out there. And they're bringing him in. And he used to play for the lions. I thought that was awesome. Um, And then, so I knew that he was going to be instrumental in whatever happened to the Lions as far as um, you know bringing guys in cuz they were going to you know they were going to talk to him and 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 kind of see what he felt. And so when they, when he brought these guys in, uh Dan um Campbell, <coughs> you know, I looked at that and I said, "Okay, who is this guy?" First of all. Well, he's a guy who h- had success at playing tight end. Now I I really feel that's important because he knows the wide receiver slash, you know, uh, tight end wide receiver uh, position along with the quarterback. And he's also right there next to the lineman in the trenches. And this guy, you know, was brought in at different times throughout his career, played for three or four different teams. And, you know, he was good because he stayed with every team that he was on. He started with the Giants, ended up with Dallas, St. Louis. Um, um, so, um, he stuck around with these teams and he knows by, by being a player, you know, all, all the important position in the trenches, the receiving, running back, how to block. So I, I really felt like that was a good move. I always think that anybody who can do that, plus he's got the experience because he's been there, done that in coaching as well. So he worked his up, his, uh, his way up the ranks as far as being a coach. So I thought that was a good addition. And then as far as um, Holmes is concerned, I kind of looked at what he was doing and him being involved with the scouting department, I think, was huge because as a player, players like to be involved with the scouts, right? They want to know, you know, not only how they view them as players, but also the guys that are out there, up-and-coming players. And I heard that he had a lot of success. If you look at what the Rams have done over the last, you know, seven, eight years, they've had nothing but success. Yeah. So I felt like that was the two together, I think was a good mix. We're
1: on the right so track. I honestly
2: think the two of them being the head coach and the new GM, along with Chris Spielman and the involvement of like Barry Sanders. I just think, um, I think the Detroit lions are in a position where, yeah, they're going to have to rebuild. You um, you know, you look at Stafford, what a, what an awesome talent, right? Strong arm. He's been there, played injured. He's led the lions for, for years. Uh, But here's the thing. He's never been able to really get to the playoffs. Okay. Maybe one time, twice. uh, They never really able to go on. Now that's not his fault. Okay. They're missing too many pieces. He's a little bit older now. He doesn't quite move as well in the pocket as he used to. And how can you when you're going to lose a step as you get older, you know, playing 10, 12 years in the the league. So I think it's a disservice to Stafford if you kept him. I think you need to allow him to go and finish his career. And I don't mean a couple years. I think he's probably got another four, five, seven years if he can stay healthy. If you can't protect him, Okay, with the Lions, and you can't protect him, and he's getting hurt. He's not going to be good to anybody. But he's got an opportunity to go. I think the best team for him to go to would probably be the Colts. No, I agree. I agree. Yeah, I think it'd be a great let, fit for the Colts.
0: Let me ask you this: uh, Stafford obviously is going to move on, and and that's the right thing for the organization. The fact that he's older, uh, the fact that he hasn't produced a a, a winner in twelve years—it's it's mutual uh, agreement there. Let's think about the Lions without Stafford. They got a young, pretty strong offensive line, got a pro bowler in the, the center in rag now. Uh Taylor Decker is on his way to uh, possibly Pro Bowl contention. Uh DeAndre Swift, they got a good running back. Um, if they sign the what's the wide receiver? Uh Kenny Galladay, he's a free agent. Gotta get him need, healthy. Need, uh, he'll be healthy next year. Yep. We need to keep him. So, what's it gonna take offensively? For the Lion, the twenty twenty one Lion team to be productive offensively, minus a Matthew Stafford.
2: Well, I think what you're going to have to do is you're going to have to get uh, you're going to have to get a quarterback, and the Lions sitting at the seventh position should be able to do that. I think you take the best available quarterback um, that you can, and um, uh, hopefully bring in somebody who maybe can you know um, they they can show them the ropes you know, what it's like to play at the, you know, at the highest level. And, and, and I, you know, these quarterbacks that are playing now in college, um, they got some good coaches, you know, they're um, they're well beyond the, the, the quarterbacks that we used to see when we were playing, you know, just as far as the the grooming and it's, you know, I'm sure it has to do a lot with, uh, you know, just the, the qualifications of the coaches that exist in college football. And you see it in the pros too, the game has changed, you know, um, yeah. there's just, uh, just with technology and, and, and knowledge of the game, these, these, these guys, um, you know, uh, are, are taking things and tweaking things. Um, and they're taking the kind of plays that we had and, and developing those and, and making other plays out of it. So, uh, and they're doing the same thing on defense. I'll tell you what, watching that, those playoff games, um, this the past weekend you know seeing the best teams out there playing boy it was like they were playing on a different level you talk yeah. about being sharp and 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 you know I'm talking both offense and defense uh wow that was uh impressive very impressive
1: and you were you were initially speaking about quarterbacks and so I have to ask with us being on the precipice of the Super Bowl with Tom Brady making history, going to what his tenth Super Bowl. Unbelievable! Unbelievable. I, was, I mean, yeah. literally, never seen anything like it. Um, unrivaled Tom Brady, and he's going matching up Patrick Mahomes back to back Super Bowl appearances. Who do you? Who's your pick for the Super Bowl champion?
2: Well, you got to love the goat. Okay, you got—he's the best <laughs> ever, right? I mean, anybody that has the kind Pretty of success incredible. he has, and and obviously yeah. he's just a leader. You know, he leads that team. Um, they didn't do anything prior to you know getting the likes of him over there, um, so he just justified all his credentials. Um, and I'll tell you what, I, you know, it, it's going to be a close game, but I, I, I got to give the edge to Kansas City. I, I, I just do. I say why. why? I know. Uh, I said, why? <laughs> yeah, I mean, you got Mahomes, you got you, you got you got Kelsey, and you got Hill. I mean, what more can I say? I mean that. That receiver, I mean how how can you stop him? Uh, And then when you try to double team him, you can't even. You got to triple team the guy to stop him. And there's no way you can keep the ball out of his hands. And once he gets it, um, it's like trying to catch a cat. Explosive, just amazing. So I, I don't think you can stop that offense. I don't care what you put out there. Mahomes is too good. He's too big and agile, even with a turf toe. OK, they're going to give him something. So it's going to relieve the, his toe until the offseason. But, um, yeah, there's there's no stopping that offense. And uh, so I'm just going to give the edge to but they're both great organization and, and both. But I honestly think, you know, what a great example uh, to see that in the NFL, the quality of those two teams and and that they, they, they set the bar. Yeah, okay. Can absolutely. the Lions get there? What do the Lions need to do? And I think with uh, with Campbell being with his experience and, and toughness and Spielman and, and what they're bringing in, you got to have somebody get these players to to not only develop these players okay but you got to get them to to uh, stay healthy but develop throughout the year. You got to start playing your best best football what in November, right? And if you're not getting better, you're getting worse. And, and how depressing as a player in a team if, if you're not starting to see success and have success on Sundays. Um, so you're either going to go one way or the other and the best teams really continue to get better. And you kind of see that throughout the playoffs. And, you know, Louise, like you, I, I wasn't a part of too many great football programs. My rookie year, I saw that development and it was exciting to be a part of it. Unfortunately, my 10-year career, I didn't have too many opportunities like that, um, and, and you know what? You, you, you almost say, "Well, it, that's not fair." You get these some some guys play, uh, you know, ten Super Bowls. Okay, I played one. Yeah, that's not the. You know, that's you know my point is, the, my point is, the, is there's the, somebody like you, Louise, who played 13 years. You were an All Pro, okay, multiple times. Uh, the top lineman, the leader on your offensive line, and you never played in a playoff game?
0: You know, and if I had, if there was one thing that, that I would have changed, I would have traded in all of the, the three Pro Bowls that I played in just to play in one championship uh, football game. I, I could relate. The problem with our organization is was uh, upper management. Some of the players that we let go, we let go of Tim McDonald, he went to the San Francisco 49ers. And became an all pro. Garrison Hurst, same thing. Jay Novacek, Dallas Cowboys, Ken Harvey, Washington Redskins. These were Cardinal draft picks. And they were letting these men go and have success in other cities. And here I sat, play, you know, when when we played, you couldn't, we didn't have free agency, unfettered free agency. So you couldn't move around. Same with the Lions, personnel decisions. Quandre Diggs is an all pro in Seattle. Um, Darius Slay one of the top cornerbacks, you know, just bad decision-making and it costs you on the football field. And hopefully with Spielman, with Holmes, that will improve the personnel, the scouting, the free agents and the college uh, will improve. We are hopeful.
2: Yeah. Well, we are, we are. And I'm, I'm excited. I'm, I'm, uh, you know, and I'm, I'm happy for Stafford, honestly, you know, I hate to lose the guy, but if you're not winning with them, you gotta, you gotta do the guy a favor. Don't, don't hold him hostage. Yeah. Let him go and be a winner somewhere. It's just not happening in Detroit. So and it's not his fault. By any means, it is not his fault. Great player. I mean, um, but if he's not able to get it done here, I know he can get it done elsewhere. Uh, what do the Lions do? Okay, well, you got to get yourself a quarterback, and hopefully you get a quarterback who can, can get out of the pocket, you know, get somebody who can move around, get out of the pocket, and, absolutely uh, be able to roll out left and right. And, uh, you, you got some targets, you got Hawkinson. Okay. You, so you got somebody in the middle at all times. He can not only work the middle, he can, uh, work it outside as well, you know, with your up the seams and, and corner routes, and he can do it all. Uh, plus he's a blocker. So, um, I just look at the pieces with Jones and, uh, uh Galladay, um, I just think they have all the pieces. They just need somebody to get out the pocket successfully, um, and and also be able to stay in the pocket when needed. And then, of course, you know we need to. I'll tell you one thing. We need a little bit of help on defense. We we've got to start uh, not only creating uh, some pressure on the quarterback, getting some you know quarterback pressures in sacks. Um, because anytime you have a imbalance like that it's going to hurt you. You're going to have less time of possession. Uh, you can't turn the ball over more than, you know, you're giving it up. You know, if you're giving it up, you're not getting your takeaways, and and you're, you know, six or seven at the end of the year, you're losing six or seven games just on turnovers alone. We have so many untimely turnovers, and, and you've got to know it's a game of ups and downs, and the team that can bounce back sooner is usually the team that's going to hang in there and, and be able to see it through. And it's a game of emotions. You can never take that away from the game of football. Uh, trying to retain that the best you can is is, is really the key. And every player has got to be accountable. And you need to be accountable to your teammates.
0: Absolutely. See, that's what I
2: found out early on is that you don't play the game for yourself. You play it for your the guys on your team, your teammates. It's important to know who you're playing for, Yeah. you know. It's not well, about. I have,
1: yeah, I was I just going to say back. that there are many Lions fans that are excited and ready, and they're hoping that you know brighter days are to come for the franchise. I, I, Lions fans are resilient, just like the players. They continue to believe in the the best is yet to come for their team. So we are hopeful and excited um, for what the 2021 season will bring right here at home in Detroit. I want to shift a little bit, and I know you were able to to share with us about your seven-year career with the Lions. You played for the Seahawks for a few seasons thereafter. But, Jeff, what are you doing now, life outside of the game? As we were on before, you talked about a few business endeavors that you uh, were able to walk into. I know that there's a youth camp that you participate in now. So please tell our viewers about the work that you have done off the field and how they may be able to support you in the present day.
2: Well, um, let's see. Well, first of all, uh, let's not forget about my day job. My day job is really here to help uh, Kristen run Sunset Shores. Um, okay. Sunset Shores, you is just a, yeah, it's just a it's just a uh, little resort um, on Stevenson Lake here in uh, in uh, Isabella County, which is right there between uh, Claire and Mount Pleasant and uh it's a nice lake and we we have little cottages that we rent out and it's uh they're really nice i mean they're they're rustic so they're you know older but they're nice and and i help kristen run those she's kind of the manager and bosses me around i kind of do what she tells me <laughs> to do um and certainly i take pride in you know just just like anything you take pride in what you do um that's first and foremost but um you know, I started a camp and unfortunately we didn't have uh, the camp this past year because of COVID. But, um, I've always wanted to do a football camp. I've been uh, a part of a number of camps, you know, uh, over the last 30 years. Uh, but I'll tell you why I wanted to do a camp and I had some people say I couldn't do it. You know, it's not going to work. But what I did is I, I got with some of my former teammates and, um, I told them what I wanted to do, and they, they said they'd uh, they'd be interested in doing it. So so I got guys like Lomas Brown, Eric Kipple, uh, Corey Schlesinger. Uh, I got Eddie Murray coming in this next year to help uh, uh, with the kicking game. I got Luther Bradley, uh, Don Clemens, who played uh, or uh, coached for the Lions for 20. You probably know Don. Um, but anyways, he coached with the Lions for 26, 27 years, and he's a great addition to have um let's see who else do i got um uh scott conover um george jameson so i got these guys coming in and what i do is i i put them up for a couple of nights um we we offer it up to uh you know certainly the athletes in in this area but also anybody here in michigan who wants to come to the camp and then what i do is i go to some of the local businesses to help support so i go out and get corporate sponsors. Um, Wonderful. and then we reach out and pretty much open it up to any athletes, uh, parents who want to get their kids, uh, some, some training by former players. So I bring in a lot of talent, um, yeah. close to, close to a hundred years of NFL experience all in, on the stage to teach these kids. And last, well, I guess it was, uh, uh two years ago when I held the first camp, um, uh, we had about a hundred kids, a little over a hundred kids in two days. So we got two age? different age groups okay? Two different age groups. So, so we break it out, and uh, basically, it's a full day of training for each uh, each age age group. And you know, we get them t shirts, we do banners, uh, we talk to them, that and we just have a lot of fun.
1: Yeah, sounds and great. Hopefully, we got another thing that we'll be able to return here. Um, in 2021, I, I know you mentioned we weren't, you weren't able to. Have the camp and executed this past year, obviously due to the looming pandemic. So we're hopeful in 2021, you all will be able to reconvene and impact over 100 players' lives here in the Metro Detroit area. That's fantastic.
2: Yeah. So, so if, uh, if any of your viewers want to, um, you know, be a volunteer, because we have our coaches, we also have volunteer needs for volunteers. Perfect. Um, So if you have any viewers out there who want to uh, help financially, because we scholarship some kids, some kids just can't uh, afford to, uh, you know, the $89 that it costs to do the camp. Um, so we scholarship about half the kids that come. And so we reach out to some of the, um, you know, areas like Flint, Saginaw. We talk to the, co- I'll call the coaches, see if they have any kids that they feel might find this useful and let the coaches decide. And I might uh, throw five or six scholarships to, to you know one program over here another program over there to get them in
1: yeah you've got two scholarships here we'd love to sponsor two rising athletes for the camp so if you guys do have it yeah you've got two scholarships here and if there are any viewers who reach out or who express interest we will definitely send them your way that is hey listen um
2: if uh because Kristen gave me the information um all they have to do is contact Christa and Give her a phone number; they can contact her. She can tell them about the football camp, or she can tell them about um, um, some other things that we've got going on. We actually participate in—it's uh, called the Stone Soup Project, with uh, which is a uh, basically we feed the the uh, the people that need food. Okay, hot meals a couple of uh, a couple times a week. They, we feed uh, feed about three hundred people. They just show up. They get their food. to How many people, how many you need? Three. Okay, we, we feed them. Sometimes when we have donations of, of uh, non-perishable goods, they also get a bag of, of food to take home with them. And so we're involved in that. And Kristen knows all about it. Um, and if they want to reach out to her, her number is 989- <laughs> her number? Yeah, we're going to give them the phone number because they can contact us. We That's what we do, you know. Okay. Um,
1: They can talk about the camp. She's got
2: all the information. Now the camp is um, Jeff, Jeff, give us a number. Yeah, it's 989-418-9238. Okay. And that's Kristen? Kristen? Kristen. Kristen. K-R-I-S-T-E-N. Kristen. Okay. All right. And so we also have a uh, Facebook for the camp, and that's called Legends Football Camp. So when we get uh, when we get it cleared through the school superintendent and we have the field and we've secured the field and we know what dates we're going to have the camp this next year, it's all going to be based on uh, being able to get the field first and foremost. Then what I do is I go and I get my, my coaches for the year. And, Louise, if you want to help out, we'd love to have you. Absolutely. Um, and um basically i start bringing the the guys together as far as who who's able to do the camp and then we try to get housing situated and i go out and i get the corporate sponsors and we start reaching out to the public and we open it up and you know we can take on you know so many athletes and uh, i don't know how many we're going to take um i'm sure it's all gonna you know once i'm talking to uh, jim walters the school superintendent here in Clare. um he'll let me know how we need to, to handle it. And we're going to make sure we do it so that everybody's safe. And, you know, you know, these are tough times, but, you know, we're going to make it happen. We're, we're going to want to do it this next year. And so we have Facebook. And once we have that information, it'll be on that Facebook page.
0: Wonderful. You're doing an awesome work, Jeff. Sounds like and now. Rebecca and I will uh, look forward to getting involved in, and uh, in serving in any capacity we can.
2: Right on. We'd love to have you. I think you'd have a good time with all those guys showing up. We, you know, we, we try to make it a good time. We try to take care of our players and the, and the uh, you know, our sponsors and, and also our volunteers. So.
0: Well, we'll be the first two. We'll be the first two to sponsor. athletes. Awesome. And so we'll, we're going to lead by example for all of our viewers, Facebook friends and family. The number is 418 nine, eight, nine, four, one, eight, nine, two, three, eight. And we're going to post it with this broadcast and uh, Kristen, Kristen, is uh, Jeff's uh, significant other's name. And she's the one that kind of runs things, uh, the camp for you.
2: She's my boss. She's the (laughs) boss. Yeah, of course. That's right. (laughs) Transition.
1: All righty, well yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Jeff, tonight has been absolutely amazing. You shared so much with us and we really truly appreciate it. I know we've had a lot of reactions. The comments have been blowing up. People are really excited, particularly to hear your thoughts on the lions and your super bowl pick uh but would love to just end the show as we know today marks one year since the very tragic passing of the unrivaled kobe bryant his daughter gianna bryant and seven other precious lives that were lost so i know today was a day of remembrance for me in that but with that, we've been able to celebrate all of the incredible things that both of them did in their short time here on Earth. And so, I've been thinking a lot about legacy, Jeff. And I just want to know, as we wrap the show up tonight, what do you desire for your legacy to be?
2: Listen, that I'm just a fair and honest person, and um, you know, an example of that anybody can live their dream. Um, just have dreams, have dreams, and 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 work to achieve whatever that might be. Uh, But you got to have dreams and ambitions and goals in your life. Um, And I just think um, you can attain, anybody can attain whatever they'd like in life. Uh, You just got to go for it. You got to make, uh, you know, make progress, work towards it. And don't, uh, don't get down. It's a lot of hard work, but it's worth it. And uh, don't never look at failures as, as something, um, that you are a failure just because there are failures that, that occur. Um, there, there are, uh, they're growing pains, but we can all have success. And, and I think I'm an example of someone who, who, um, you know, I, I got lucky, I got lucky, but I also uh, seized the opportunity. And I think, uh, some things come in life that, that, um, you know, don't let them, don't let your opportunities pass you by. You you know, know, okay. go ahead go ahead i'm sorry go ahead i, I was just gonna, gonna say that uh, it's okay if uh if you don't succeed at something in your mind you don't succeed you still have learned something i mean when i lost my business i had it for seven years but guess what i learned certainly not to um you know make that same mistake so you know through that's life you just you're gonna win something you're gonna lose something it's it's how y'all you, you got to take it uh you know, take it all. You got to take it all.
0: You know, one of the things that, that we talked about in our private conversations that really resonated and I could identify with you, uh, you talked about knowing that you could play at the NFL level, even though you were an undrafted free agent and and how that, that dream came to fruition. And I, like you, uh, although I was a number one draft pick, a lot of the pundits a lot of the prognosticators said that I was too small. I was an unknown coming out of UCLA. I would only last four or five years max in the NFL. And of course I use that as an impetus, you know, in my workouts, in my study of my opponents, you know, to so that I, I would perform at a, at a high level. But, you know, I always tell people that if you can conceive it in your mind, you can achieve it. You got to believe in yourself, believe in what you're doing, and believe in yourself if you're going to go out there and perform and play as long as, say, someone like you and I played in the NFL. Talk about that a little bit.
2: Well, I'll, I'll tell you what, um, it's, it's, it's kind of funny that you, you bring that up because um, you, I wonder if you ever heard this, Did people ask you um, throughout your career, you know, what was it like to play in front of 70,000 people? And and my answer to that is I don't even know they're there, okay? Exactly, um, yeah. It, it wouldn't, yeah. It wouldn't matter if there was no fans in the stands or 100,000. Right. I don't even know they exist because I'm so in tuned uh, to what I'm doing on the field. The only uh, difficulty when there's a lot of fans, it's hard to hear if you're on offense and right. you're trying to, you You got to watch the ball and make sure you don't go off sides. Right. Right. That's the only thing it is. I don't even know those fans are there. Okay, I know they're there, but they're not involved in, in here.
0: Right, exactly. So, you can tune them out. You have to tune them out.
2: If gotcha. you're to yeah.
0: perform at a high yeah. level, you can't worry about how many people are in the stands, who they're cheering for, you know what I'm saying? What happens if I get beat? No, you got to tune all that out and focus on the job at hand.
2: And then it kind of goes along with, uh, you know, I would get questions like, well, you're so t- tall and thin. How do you go across the middle? You know? Questions, like, I well, again? I yeah, uh, You know, I get people to say, You know, you're so tall and thin. How do you go across the middle? You're going to get killed. And I said, well, it's my job. You know, if the coaches tell me to run this route, yeah, but how do you not know? I I said, it's not up to me. It's the quarterback. If the quarterback throws the ball, if I said, if I'm worried about getting hit or injured, then I probably shouldn't be out there. I wouldn't be out there. My job is to do what the coaches tell me and go after that ball so, therefore, you have to learn to block it out. So you do. And if you happen to get injured, oh, well, that's just part of the game.
0: It's part of the you game. Know, you can't, you things can't, happen. You can't play afraid to get injured because if you play
2: afraid to get injured, that's exactly what's going to happen. And it's okay to have your head on a swivel. There's nothing wrong with that. Just don't lose focus at what you're doing. Right. You know, if that ball's in the air and you got your head on a swivel, you're not going to see it. But if you got your head on a swivel because you want to get open – you want to get to the right spot because you're you're reading the defense, you know, and you, you you're unsure: is it man, is it zone? What are they doing? And you hook it up. You got to kind of look and know where you are, and then get your head around. Look for look at that ball and look it all the way in. But you, yeah, there's certain times you got to block things out. You block out yeah. opponents at times, and you block out the fans. And well, you just I get out there have, and do your job. Have
0: my mind on, on my opponent. I always have my mind on dominating, imposing my will physically on on that opponent and and basically making him recognize by the end of the game that I was superior. I was superior to him, Um, and that was half the battle as an offensive lineman for me. I wanted to show you this. Do you recognize uh, the signature on this? (laughs) Uh, Where is it? Let's see. It's... Right here. Where'd you pick that up there? You didn't Who? Whose signature is that? Oh, that ain't my signature. No, it's not yours. Barry Sanders. Barry Sanders. How can you, you confuse my signature with Barry? <laughs> no, I was All just right, wondering right if you recognize Barry's, uh, you know, we talked about Barry always being concerned about others. Um, and Barry was yeah. kind enough through a, a mutual friend of ours, I asked for an autographed helmet for my brother-in-law and uh, and, and he got us this little Detroit helmet and signed it to Carlton, who's my brother-in-law slash, slash, slash with his signature, Barry Sanders. So we had it right here on the, on the trophy case. I want one of those. <laughs> well, you know what? I'll get you one of these. If you get uh, Martha Ford uh, to come on Sharp Talk...
1: <laughs> we'll see what we can do. Well, this has been an excellent episode. I wrote down, if you can dream it in your heart, conceive it in your mind, you will achieve it throughout your life. Jeff absolutely. Dabbert, amen. Thank you so much for joining us this evening. This has been absolutely wonderful. We look forward to the camp this summer. for the Absolutely. Two athletes absolutely. Look forward to it.
0: contributing. Look forward to uh, our fans and, and friends on the sharp talk Facebook live to, Get familiar with the work, the wonderful work that you're doing, Legends Football Camp. And uh, and Christian, we're going to make uh, her t- information available on this uh, live broadcast. And uh, and we just want to be a blessing to uh, the work, the wonderful work that you're doing for the youth there in your part of uh, Michigan.
2: Well, listen, I appreciate you giving me the opportunity to talk a little bit about that. Uh, it, it means a lot to me. I always felt, um, and really, I, I kind of got this when I played with the Lions. Um, the importance of, of being a part of the community. And when I moved away, I didn't have those opportunities because I wasn't in Detroit, uh, unfortunately. Um, so now that I'm back here and have been back here for a number of years, it's it's nice to get back involved. And I think I think it's not only important to do, but it's also, in, it's important to have people around you that, that feel the same way and appreciate it. And I get so much gratification and just like like the ninety year old woman down the street who's got no one, and she wants to get to her mailbox, and then, so I go over there and I shovel her snow, you know, and she wants to pay me. She wants to pay me. I'm like, no. So she's an old Scottish lady, and so she'll turn me on to some little goodies here and there, but she still tries to pay me. And I said, don't. I don't want you to pay me. You don't have to. She goes, well, but I need to. I said, no, you don't. I said. I, She says, I appreciate you doing it. I said, well, I appreciate doing it for you. Wow. I'm glad I can help out, you know? So really cool I think answer. it's important to do that, you know? And, the only way we can
0: keep what we have, Jeff, the only way we can keep it, you got to give it away.
2: Yeah, you're right. You share it with others. That's the only way we can keep it.
1: Giving. That's awesome. Giving That's, is the highest level of living.
2: Yeah, and until you do it, do, do you really understand it or appreciate it yourself? But yeah. hey. To all your viewers, go out and try it. Do something for somebody else. Absolutely. And you a little know why? action. Yeah, you'll feel it. You'll just feel it. You can't explain it. It's hard to explain, but you will feel good. Right, that's a wonderful word to wrap
0: this show up with. Yeah. Thank you so much for sharing that.
1: Thank you, Jeff Chadwick. Have a wonderful evening. And to all of our family and friends here on Sharp Talk, we appreciate your continued support. And we pray that the Lord would bless you, keep you, be gracious to you. Lift up the light of his countenance unto you and give you and your family peace. Take care, everyone. Amen. Next time.
0: Goodbye, Amen. Jeff and Christian. Love you guys. Take care. Talk to
2: my Facebook. Hard to see you again. <laughs> All
1: All right. Guys. Take, Take care. care.
2: Thank you. Guys.